Hello everyone, as you are probably listening to this from your homes, welcome back to the AirPod. I'm your host, Omid Scobie, and I'm joined by the power of technology, Maggie Rooley, our wonderful foreign correspondent. Hi, Omid. <laughs> We're separated by about <laughs> 80 miles still. I think that's not going to change for some oh, time. It's too far. I miss seeing your face, Omid. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad it's good to hear the smile in your voice because I think that everyone has sort of reached a somewhat testing time now with the sort of period of isolation that we've all had, mm. obviously. Uh, in the last episode that we did, the country had just entered a nationwide lockdown and that continues for the foreseeable future. And that's pretty much the same around the world now. Yeah, you know, I, I realize I miss all the little interactions, like talking to the grocer at the grocery store and, you know, visiting my little cheese shop to get my special cheeses, all the things that you kind of take for granted, those little hellos throughout the day. It's it's really jarring when all of a sudden they're taken away. I know, it's tough. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think being journalists, you're pretty much on call 24-7 and there is never really like one evening where you're <laughs> completely off. So it is those little moments that give you just those like boosts of pleasure throughout the day. And so sometimes for me, it's mm. just getting a coffee and not being able to do that. Uh, it takes a little getting used to. I've tried to sort of like make routines out of everything. So if I go down and use the Nespresso machine and make my own, then I'll just sort of like imagine that I'm perhaps <laughs> not in my kitchen. <laughs> You're somewhere else. No, it's it's true. And there's definitely been a lot of things that all of a sudden this past week I've uh, sort of learned to do in a new way that I really love and I want to remember in life after lockdown. Like you mentioned your coffee routine. I rediscovered my love for the French press and I have this little like front porch oh. area and every morning I've been going out there with my husband. We have our French press coffee and the sun's been shining this week in the UK. And it's this wonderful moment that I've never once done before uh, since moving here. And it's been absolutely lovely and I even am making some new friends there's um some neighbor kids on sort of our our porches are connected and they're just to the left of us and uh I've noticed that every day at three o'clock they must have a a break in their school day with their parents and they come out to the front porch and they start barking like dogs and Omid they're so (laughs) realistic that I thought there was a pack of dogs next door but every day at three o'clock these little kids come out and they play dog on the front porch and for some reason it's those little things now that I'm latching on to and I'm like I have my coffee in the morning I have the little kid dogs in the afternoon you know you kind of find Find your new things to make you happy. <laughs> I almost feel like it's a little peek into late retirement life. Perhaps. Yes, you're so right. <laughs> <laughs> Although obviously we're still working and so I don't I feel like I'm getting all the perks. I have a lot of friends boasting about how much they've ticked off their Netflix playlists at the moment <laughs> and I have barely even started. So I'm looking forward to that over the days. I know. Well, speaking of work, we do have a little bit more of a better work set up this week, even for the podcast. I now have, maybe people can tell a difference. I have a new foam circle that is surrounding my microphone that I'm speaking into. Uh, so everything's getting a little bit better. And we saw you, Omid, just this morning on Good Morning America, uh, reporting from your home. You had your own little <laughs> setup that you were using. Uh, so everyone's kind yeah. of yeah, it was it a work. tripod from from Amazon. Uh, uh, other <laughs> retail stores are available, but it, you know, I think we're all sort of having to become jack of all trades at the moment. We don't get to rely on the amazingly talented people that make our jobs so easy. Sometimes yeah. um, we're sort of like struggling to sort of like 
make things work. But it is, I, I think, you know, everyone comes together in such a perfect way at times like these. And I think that's been one thing that I've really appreciated. Mm. Um, perhaps we take for granted a bit is that just when we do actually need help or when we are going through crisis, we actually have incredible support networks around us, whether it's in our families, our friendship circles, our work environments. It's been brilliant. And we, of course, saw that last night in the UK. When we had mm. national applause for all the National Health Service care workers across the nation who are working on the front line so hard. At eight o'clock, the entire country stood out their doors, their windows, hung off their balconies, cheering and clapping for the world. And of course, we saw all the members of the royal family taking part in that too. Yeah, it really was an incredible moment, Omid. I had heard about it earlier in the day and I was like, oh, that'll be that'll be nice, I'm sure. And I lost track of time a little bit and all of a sudden I was cooking dinner and it was so loud outside my window that it was jarring. I ran outside and there were people banging bells and pots and pans and cheering. And it was a really special moment because I thought, you know, here's just one block in London and if there's this much applause, this much emotion on this one block to think that this is what's happening on every street, every block throughout the city, uh, sh- people showing their appreciation for healthcare workers, it, it really was a moment that, that that hit me. It was emotional. And I think it was great to see members of the royal family mm-hmm. taking part in that. Of course, we saw George, Charlotte and Louis. Oh, we haven't seen Louis for cute. a long time yeah. uh, on video. The Cambridges have filmed them earlier on in the day from the garden of their Anne Mahal home, clapping and cheering. We saw the Wessexes uh, doing their bits. We saw Camilla and Charles, who we're about to talk about Mm -hmm. this, uh, who are currently in isolation from each other. Of course, the big news this week was Charles tested positive for the coronavirus on Tuesday, and that was shared with the World by Clarence House on the Wednesday. Uh, Of course, he is in good health. That has been made very clear by the palace and has continued his work. But it was a reassuring glimpse to see him in great spirits too. We saw him suited and booted Mm -hmm. in front of the camera, (laughs) clapping like everyone else in the country. And I think that, you know, we spoke a little bit about this in the past episode, how this country often leans on the royal family Mm -hmm. for reassurance in times of crisis. And I think seeing them, regardless of the health status that they may or may not be in, uh, still getting on with the work, that keep calm, Mm. carry on attitude that we're so used to and that we expect from our royals. Of course, there has been a lot of concern about the Queen. We'll talk a bit about that later in the episode. But yes, it's been a time where I think, again, we're reminded of the relevancy of the royal family. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. It strict me as well. I mean, you had uh, all of the royal uh, palaces saying on Twitter throughout the day, remember at eight o'clock, remember at eight o'clock. And uh, I, I laughed a bit when, you know, one of our mutual friends, Chris, who works over at ITV following the royals, he tweeted out, he retweeted, um, uh, an account from the queen who was saying, go out at eight o'clock to clap. And he's like, I mean, if the queen tells you to do it, you got to do it. And there is some truth to that. All of a sudden in moments of crisis <laughs> like this, it's like you do look to the leadership of the queen. She is still a leader of this country. And so when you, when you look to someone like that during these moments, when it seems like everything else is falling apart, it sort of reinforces that uh, they still have a purpose in their leadership and, and people really do feel for them and look to them in these times. Absolutely. And of course, that leadership, the work that she does has continued behind palace walls in social isolation at Windsor Castle. We saw pictures of the Queen working from home from her own 
office uh, space. We got a little look into that. But of course, she was on the phone to Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Uh, she had been, uh, up until that point, always meeting him on a weekly basis, like she does with every Prime Minister, for that in-person audience. It's always that confidential off-the-record meeting that they have. Really, it's a chance for the Prime Minister to almost sort of like let some of the burden off his chest and talk to uh, the monarch about some of his or her issues uh, or concerns. And although she remains a sort of apolitical figure, I think being able to have that conversation with someone in that position has always been something very much cherished by prime ministers past and present and omid that phone call we know what happened on wednesday and then friday that huge announcement which you know even made me do a double take when we saw that prime minister boris johnson tested positive for coronavirus one of the you know biggest world leaders uh now also falling to this disease to this virus uh, but what's interesting is that you know all of a sudden you have the queen who obviously is in her 90s that is a huge risk group for the virus and she's been meeting with all of these people who have since tested positive. You know, we know that while she was on the phone with Boris this past Wednesday, she did meet with him in person. She also met with Charles in person not too long ago. Uh, I mean, I, for one, when I heard both about Charles and then uh, today about Boris, one of my first thought was, oh my gosh, the queen. Like, how is she doing right now? Absolutely. And I think that was everyone's first thoughts. Obviously, we had seen the queen with Boris Johnson on March the 11th. We saw her with Charles on March the 12th. And that was something that I think all of us were very keen to find out from the palace. They do assure us that she remains in good health. Uh, they point out that the last time she was with uh, Boris Johnson was on March the 11th. And they just say that she's following the appropriate advice with regards to her welfare. They're not commenting any further. But I think that we, what we can take away from that is that she is in good health. And really, that's what the concern has been. Mm. And I think that would, would would have been the same for other family members within the royals too. Of course, it has been a tough week for them. Charles's diagnosis uh, was a, a bombshell in, in a way because I think we, you know, we were only talking on the last episode how they had all sort of removed to isolated locations and they were away from any risks of catching the virus. And of course, it turns out that Charles had already contracted the virus at that point it was the Sunday after our last episode that he experienced mild symptoms up at Burke Hall in Scotland where he was staying Camilla had just joined him on that day he'd been there a couple of days earlier and then later that day he was tested uh, because he passed the criteria I know there's been a lot of talk about whether or not he should have had access to a test but being over the age of 70 and from what the palace told us was a medical history that sort of put him in that risk category mm. uh, he was tested immediately and found positive and put straight into isolation so since the beginning of the week he's been by himself working at Burke Hall the palace were very keen to stress mm. that he was in good spirits and carrying on with his work we know that on Monday and Tuesday he continued to take calls from his study with his charities and with the duchy and that's really been what's keeping him going through this his symptoms have remained mild and we're told or the guidance we've been given is that he will continue to sort of go, be on the up and up that the worst has already happened but of course for William and Harry who were straight on the phone to Charles to check and see how he was it would have been a huge concern 
to them and all the members of the royal family that and for a nation as well that our future heir to the throne had caught this virus that has taken the lives of so many and you make a good point i mean you mentioned his age again obviously the, the queen in her 90s but then charles in his 70s there that's a really high risk group and so there's reason to be concerned and you know we should reiterate too charles's doctors believe he'll be okay and uh, boris johnson is doing okay as well boris uh, johnson's people said that his symptoms were mild he is still leading the country uh, so the good news for both of them is it seems like they will be able to stay out of the hospital but as we've learned with this virus that doesn't mean that they're not still contagious. I mean, you see Charles is now in isolation. Um, but the question is also, when did they become contagious? And Omid, I believe that, you know, palace doctors say that Charles became contagious one day after he last met with the queen. Now, maybe that's just wishful thinking, but that is sort of the going guidance. So uh, hopefully if that is true, the queen was able to get out of town to leave London uh, before she was exposed to, to the virus. Yeah, exactly. As you say, it's it's just a day's difference. And I must state that the palace did stress that that was a very generous estimate. That was sort of a worst case Mm -hmm. scenario that it was the 13th. But it does make it very close. And I think, if anything, it's stories like this that perhaps for a country that whilst I would say the majority of people have been taking this lockdown seriously, when we start to see some of the leaders that we assume are the safest of all, Uh, Mm. succumbing to this very dangerous virus. I think it puts a lot of it into perspective for people. Uh, You realise that everyone can be touched by this. You don't have to be uh, sort of an everyday person like you or I out in the streets commuting on the subway or whatever it is. Actually... Whether you're in a palace or elsewhere, it's still something that can affect you. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because I even caught myself when I first heard the news about Prince Charles. I was like, well, how did he get it? And then I and then I caught myself and I was like, well, Maggie, you're an idiot. It's a virus. Anyone can catch it. But you, you sort of uh, think that maybe royals are immune from things like this. This seems like a common person virus, right? So it is a good reminder that exactly. anyone can get it. Anyone can spread it. And, uh, you know, not only in the UK, but really every country should be taking it so seriously right now. Mm. And of course, speaking of spreading it, of course, Charles didn't know that he was contagious for some days before mm-hmm. traveling up to Scotland to Birkhall. He was based at High Grove where I'm told he had a number of meetings with staff and duchy workers uh, in person. And those meetings uh, meant that those people have now been informed that they, of course, were in contact with Mm. Charles, who's contracted the virus. It's unknown whether they would have gone on and been tested for themselves or whether they've just sort of moved into a further uh, period of isolation. But, you know, Charles is someone who he's really been doing the rounds. I mean, he had a very busy schedule from the 9th, 10th and 11th. We saw him uh, at that big reception for Australia just before he sort of moved over to Highgrove. He's been exposed to a lot of people. And whilst the palace wouldn't talk about who those people are, they just made very clear that Mm. all of them had been informed personally by medical officials And when it comes to where he got the virus from, because I think a lot of people are trying to figure that out, we know that he attended an engagement with Prince Albert of Monaco, who also has the coronavirus. It's impossible to know. I think given how high the numbers are and high the risks are, it would be a waste of time to try and guess. 
Yeah. And do we know about his interactions too with the younger royals? I mean, what have we heard from them in terms of how they're dealing? Are they still in London? Have they left? Uh, what are they? What are they doing right now? Well, absolutely. Well, after the Commonwealth uh, Day service on March the 9th, we saw Meghan fly back to Canada to be with Archie and Harry stay in London for a few days of engagements. I'm told by a source within the Sussex camp that Charles had no further interaction with the couple, either of them, after that Commonwealth Day service. And the same goes for the Cambridges. That was the last time they were all together. So it definitely puts all four of the younger royals out of the sort of risk category they are of course now back in their own isolation and of course safe but it would have been i think for many of the members of the royal family uh, a, a moment where they've had to really think about when was the last time they were with charles and i think what they're going through too is what a lot of people around the world are going through right now which is hard when you have particularly whether it's an older family member or someone with a compromised immune system who's in your family, really tough decisions are having to be made right now about, do you go visit your parents? Uh, even if you think you're healthy and your parents seem healthy, do you want to go spend the weekend with your 75-year-old mom or dad if that means potentially exposing them to the virus? And so I, I assume that's something that you know uh, Will and Kate and other young members of the royal family are also dealing with right now. You know, When can they go see uh, their dad again or their grandma or... Or is it safe? Or was a visit that I had with them, you know, a problem? Uh, these are things that are not just, you know, insular to the royal family or, or, or regular people, if you want to call them that. Um, these are real life problems that are affecting, you know, everyone around the world. Absolutely. And I think remain keeping that social distancing is so important, especially when you have friends or family members, loved ones, whoever that have the virus. Uh, the worst thing you could do is to sort of create further risks for others by in, exposing yourself to it. And I did see a story in one of the papers this week that was criticising Harry and Meghan for being overseas at a time when they should be with Charles. And there was some story that suggested that Meghan has stopped Harry from coming to visit Charles. Well, actually, no one should be visiting Charles right now. I mean, his own wife is in the other side of the house hmm. from him. And it's just not the protocol that we've been given by the World Health Organization or any of the governments. It has been interesting, actually, to see the Sussexes posting some of that guidance on their Sussex Royal account this week. They've sort of continued that promise to make their account a place of uh, resources and information about the virus. Again, really haven't been any posts about themselves. We saw... Uh, this week, uh, posts from the World Health Organization with recommendations about how to wash your hands, how to uh, maintain social distancing, but also praise for those frontline health workers that are making sure that the virus doesn't spread any further, working tirelessly in hospitals around the world. They posted a number of photographs of uh, medical professionals in different hospitals in, in so many different countries. And I think that's really been... The message this week from all members of the royal family is just that sort of thanks and that uh, message of togetherness that we are all through this and we also have to be very grateful for what we do have. Two things. First, Omid, I just want to use that as a moment to circle back to uh, when we saw Will and Kate's three little kids clapping again. I know we already talked about it once, but it was just so stinking cute. I just wanted to bring up that visual for everybody to think about one more time. And then two, um, how many followers <laughs> are the Sussex up to now? I mean, that's a huge platform for them to really... Uh, post things like hand washing. I mean, 
hand washing can be pretty boring. And so posting that on your Instagram feed isn't something you would, you know, normally do, not in a time that there's no crisis happening. So it's pretty monumental that they're using, you know, X million follower platform to promote things like hand washing and proper social distancing. Exactly. I mean, that's 11.3 million people around the world that are seeing that message. And, you know, we have to remember that it is the Sussexes and the Cambridges to some extent that have that younger demographic of Royal Watcher following them. Mm -hmm. The people who aren't necessarily watching traditional uh, television news or buying a newspaper. And I think that it's great that every section of society is being reached in some way with this really important messaging. And, and that is really using your platform for the best purpose. It's so not about yourself. It's, it's, it's a selfless act. That's an interesting point you make too, because we know with a lot of this messaging right now, young people are a really important force because often they might be asymptomatic or not have the virus as powerfully as older people. Um, but one, they still can get very sick. And two, they can spread it uh, to more people that are vulnerable. And so targeting a younger population, making sure they take this seriously, you know, if that is your demographic, um, that's a really powerful thing you can do. Absolutely. Of course, we have seen the coronavirus pandemic affects future royal engagements. Uh, We don't know how long this period of lockdown will last, but today Buckingham Palace announced that the Queen's official birthday parade has been cancelled. It was due to take place on June the 13th, and they say in line with government advice, it's been agreed that it will not go ahead in its traditional form. They do go on to add that a number of other options are being considered, in line with relevant guidance but you know that is a huge moment for the royal family every year that Mm. big moment up the mall to buckingham palace with the with the flyover on the buckingham palace balcony with every single royal family member senior to non-senior all gathered (laughs) and it's sort of one of the big spectacles of the year that we look forward to and as uh, events like this the olympic games get uh, deferred we obviously saw the Invictus Games move to 2021. Mm-hmm. These are uh, really changing how the rest of the year is looking, even at a point when we may hopefully be looking back uh, at this pandemic and seeing it as a sort of a memory. Uh, the rest of the year is dramatically affected by what we're going through now. So tough to hear, isn't it, that already all these events in the summer are getting cancelled because of the fear that life you know, won't be back. And I think when you see what's happening, you might rationally know that, but there's something about hearing those dates be changed that really solidifies the fact that we will most likely be living with this in some capacity for quite some time. Absolutely. But people are getting used to the new normal. We saw a great story this week of Camilla uh, using the house party app on her phone, I would imagine, (laughs) to speak with her family members. Of course, they're spread out throughout the country. She herself is in isolation. I'd imagine her children are very worried Mm -hmm. about her. We've had uh, Tom Parker Bowles on the podcast before, uh, who shared some really lovely memories about Christmases and holiday gatherings with his mum. And I know that they're all very close. And so it's great to see them using technology like that. We know that the Queen has been briefed on how to use Skype, uh, that the Cambridges are using Zoom for... (laughs) (laughs) I know. The Cambridges have used Zoom as well for some of their conference calls as well. So everyone is really adapting this new technology. And and that's kind of what we have to do is just to kind of get on with things. We can't just sit at home and wait and let the world just go on pause. Well, again, it's kind of one of those surprising silver linings 
perhaps we can call it of this whole ordeal is that all these little things you're discovering. And we were just talking about this before we started this podcast about, you know, how you and I are on these video platforms now. In fact, you know, we have a um, happy hour to get to here in a little bit that we scheduled with a bunch of reporters from ABC. <laughs> so everyone's kind of using this to stay in touch. <laughs> I, um, I did a virtual, I um, hosted a workout class for some friends. I hosted a PE class for my nieces and nephews. I had a game night with oh, my brother awesome. and cousin. Yeah, I'm really trying to figure out ways to stay connected and uh, to do sort of fun things with people, even if you're, you know, for me, a country away across the Atlantic Ocean from my family right now. Uh, you know, there's still little ways you can stay in touch. It makes you feel closer during a time like this. Totally. I mean, in a way, these are technologies that we've had access to for a long time. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes we take for granted that it's there, you know, it's still easier just to pick up the phone and call a family yeah. member or send a text message and keep it brief. And I think that it's really brought a warmth to uh, interacting with our friends and family members who are far away um, and actually making the time to put down other things and connect via mm -hmm. the camera because I don't know about you but when I'm on the phone especially for work I'll like check my emails at the same time and I'm always sort of one eye on something else because it's just I guess a bad habit but it's being on video conference calls that has reminded me to actually stay totally present in the moment oh how interesting yeah it's like a whole new way that we're learning to communicate when we're forced to be isolated <laughs> <laughs> maggie it's been so much fun talking with you i can't wait to join you on our happy hour hangouts uh, but i do have a podcast to get on with we have a little bit more to catch up with after the break we're talking about the sussexes and their move to la in the midst of all of this chaos um, and some of the things that they've been up to, including a new Disney movie that Megan has voiced. So stick around. Maggie, take care. See you later, Ahmed. Welcome back, everyone, to the AirPod. And welcome, Victoria Arbiter, joining me by the power of technology from New York. <laughs> I hope it's working Thanks anyway. Thanks for having me. Well, yes, meet you. So far, so good. Uh, but you never know, I'm a nana in that department. How are you getting on with isolation? Surviving or thriving? Uh, oh, I love, I love my options. Uh, surviving and semi-thriving, perhaps? It depends on the day. Um, <laughs> right now, uh, the sun is, is just shining in. It's an absolutely glorious day in New York. There's beautiful blossom trees outside my window. So that serves as actually a rather lovely reminder that the world is still turning and amidst all the chaos and nastiness, there are beautiful things to look at. So, absolutely. Yes, one day at a time, right? The weather has definitely helped. I feel like... I have never looked forward to my one outing a day more than I have now. <laughs> yes. I mean, and it's usually, I usually go out for a bike ride or I'll take the dog out for an hour, but it's just, that's my piece. And it makes up for just that feeling of being stuck indoors. Cause I'm just, I'm not used to it. I'm like you, I'm out and about a lot. And so, mm -hmm. you know, work takes me all over the place and it's being stuck in four world walls can drive you crazy just go a little bonkers well it makes us appreciate the little things now I mean I, I was thinking oh I, I can't wait to sit in an outdoor cafe and, and have a cup of tea in the sun with friends I mean that sounds like such a luxury at the moment so uh, maybe it's just going to make us all appreciate the finer things and the small things once we're at the other side definitely and I think it's changed the way and I think this will have a permanent impact change the way that we communicate just as a planet I think this you know we've always had the resources to do video calls and hangouts and whatnot 
online but I think people are really taking advantage of that now and we've seen that across the board even members of the royal family leaning on social media in ways that we haven't really seen before I mean we just last night we had that amazing uh, clap for NHS moment across the nation and we spoke about this a bit earlier in the show but I think the standout was really having that moment for Clarence House to show the world that Charles was actually in good health as well because of course we had heard it but we hadn't seen it and there's something comforting about seeing it. Same with the photograph of the Queen on the phone to the Prime Minister. That was not released just as a sort of nice little, here's a picture. It was just sent out, right, to just reassure everyone that she was fine. Omid, I can't tell you how grateful I was for the power of technology last night. But I was sitting in front of my computer and I had tears streaming down my face. It was one of those, I'm so proud to be British moments. Um, mm. Because I think in, in typical fashion, friends had said, oh, we're all supposed to go out and clap at eight o'clock but I bet no one does it we're going to give it a go but I bet no one else does and suddenly seeing these videos from across the country of people out banging saucepans and clapping and then seeing the Cambridge children with their very enthusiastic claps and the Wessex family coming out to do their part and then really it was a I got quite goosebumpy seeing the Windsor Castle video as well and Mm. it was a really really lovely use of social media Um, you made me laugh the other day I, I think it was on Twitter where you said the Royal they're just like us um but it was it was it was one of those moments where yeah it we're all in this together because this has been such a stark reminder that it doesn't matter your your class your race your religion your status your upbringing whatever we are all being impacted by this so that seeing the country coming together was pretty special absolutely i also think that just the, the technology that we have now has changed the way in which we feel the presence of the royal family throughout crises often in the past and you and i spoke about this earlier you know, we're used to sort of getting a statement from members of the royal family in the middle of a national crisis or mm-hmm. a disaster. And it's usually much later on once relief efforts have finished and, and countries are clearing up after a disaster, perhaps, that we then see members of the royal family come out to sort of say thank you to the relief workers and people who have been involved in those mom- in those sort of frontline moments. But of course, now we're seeing them almost on the sidelines cheering on the nation and the world. They've been a really reassuring presence in that respect. I think, and look, not for everybody, um, but I think it's been great as well to see them being creative in ways that they can then continue to champion their causes. So there was a fantastic um, statement from Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall today, in support of domestic abuse victims and people that may be struggling in isolation because, heaven forbid, they're being isolated with their abuser. So she was reaching out to give helplines and to give advice and to show people that they're not alone. Uh, The same happened with William earlier this week. He's championed on behalf of the homeless for years, taking taking up where his mum left off. And uh, he was really beseeching people to make sure that the homeless are all taken care of and are off the streets by this weekend as best they can be. And then we had Sophia, a mum who's also homeschooling her children at the moment. And she released a video through the Royal Family Twitter feed, um, just giving a shout out to everyone staying at home and reminding people that they're not alone and that we are all in this together and she too uh, offered up some resources that could be helpful to people that may be struggling or at their wits end so there's definitely been a, a sense that they're maintaining a presence but they're being very respectful of not taking up the airwaves to take away from healthcare experts and government officials that need to be getting very important information across to the public um, but they're just there. 
they're just there, constantly reassuring us. And that's the that's British life, isn't it? The royal family, they're just always there. They're the backdrop to our to our lives. So I think it's been comforting to see them kind of just chilling out and relaxed and we're seeing them in a slightly more relaxed fashion as well mm, we at the palace uh, regularly in a number of their statements talk about you know spirits are up or they're upbeat or in good health or sort of keeping calm carry on as i heard one aide say which is obviously a, t- a huge cliche for the royal family at this moment but never has it been more apt uh, for a situation like this I did love uh, hearing about William's efforts uh, on the sort of homeless front here in the UK because, of course, it is a huge issue. He's in num- involved with a number of homeless organisations, uh, Centre Points, and, of course, The Passage, which is what mm-hmm. the story that you referred to came from. He had a conversation with the CEO of the homeless charity. His name's Mick Clark. And uh, it was only listed in the court circular. No one had really sort of gone out to promote this per se. It was one of the newspapers that actually reached out to the organisation to find out what the conversation was about. But this was William really wanting to make sure that we're in, what the situation we face now isn't just about taking homeless people off the streets for the duration of the pandemic, but keeping them off the streets afterwards, because this is something that hopefully will see things change on a much bigger scale moving forward. That's what we can hope for, isn't it? I mean, everyone's talking about a rebalancing happening and a new perspective mm. and us approaching each other and organisations and the world in a very different fashion once we're out the other side of this. And I think it's also just a, a good reminder that the royals are working from home as well. I mean, Prince Charles is a self-confessed workaholic. We know he's had numerous meetings over the phone, behind the scenes, even since his coronavirus diagnosis. Um, but William reaching out, as you say, to the CEO of The Passage and, and just making sure that measures are being taken to help people. So clearly these are causes. It's not just a photo op when they show up to an engagement. There is a lot of work that happens behind the scenes, and I think this is a way we're getting to see some of that um, because that's not always what's made public. We just see we just see when they actually show up to the engagement and conduct an engagement and shake hands and do walk abouts and unveil plaques and all of that stuff but William has been passionate about work on behalf of the homeless for years and um, many years ago he he slept rough overnight because he Mm. was trying to highlight the problem so um, it's good to know that someone's advocating for the homeless because resources are stretched particularly thin at the moment so at least we know that that people are really trying to do what they can to help those that are already suffering tremendous misfortune. And doing that work behind the scenes, it's great to hear. And I was really uh, pleased to hear of what uh, Prince Charles was doing for the duchy tenants. Of course, uh, there's been so much conversation across the country and across the world, you know, how this pandemic affects people, especially in the, with their careers, their livelihoods, uh, whether that's paying rent, whether, the, you know, for anything. And um, I had spoken with one of his aides who said that Charles had actually personally written to all of the duchy tenants personally saying that if they're experiencing any difficulties as a result of the pandemic to uh, reach out to the relevant department and explain their situation. And uh, specifically for the Isles of Scilly, they've actually, thanks to Charles, um, come up with a rent deferral plan. So for the next three months, none of the duchy tenants will be paying rent during that time. Because, of course, uh, Isle of Scilly, you know, their tourist season will be massively impacted from this. And that's where a lot of the money comes from. And so now they're coming up with a sort of uh, long term repayment plan so people can continue to thrive and run their businesses once we're out the other end of this. And some of these are the stories that we don't always see. And I think that 
there's perhaps this uh, uh, perception that members of the royal family do things uh, for for a photo call or for mm-hmm. you know just for good press but so much happens that we don't know about and it's not until people like you or I actually do a bit of digging and find out what it is that these conversations are behind the scenes that we get to hear these great stories of of help and service uh, that that's just going to mean everything isn't it to the residents of the silly isles in particular because that's not a government mandate that's just charles doing what's right um and it's what mm. landlords all over the world if they're able to give their tenants a break it's what they should be doing they shouldn't have to be told to do it so i think um i think there's a warm relationship there's long been a warm relationship there was that documentary that aired last year about prince charles and his commitment to the duchy and his tenant farmers and how he's he's witnessed so many of the farmers today grow up he's known them since they were little kids and he knew their parents Mm. it means so much to him Um, and I'm glad Charles has had the recognition in recent months that he deserves because for years he was mocked and ridiculed he was the most hated man in England at one point Um, obviously uh, there were a lot of reasons as to why that was the case but I think given what Prince Charles has done on behalf of the duchy his commitment to the the monarchy he's the longest serving heir apparent in Britain British history. He was preaching the dangers of plastics. He was preaching the importance of religious tolerance over forty years ago. Um, so it's it's good to it's good to know that Prince Charles is is looking out for people, and he's not doing so wanting credit for it. He's just doing it because it's the right thing to do. Absolutely, and I'm sure for the days ahead that he remains in isolation, that work will be probably oh, round the just, clock yeah. because there isn't much else to do. Well, and William and Harry have talked about his letters that they can't read because he's, he's, I think, Charles is probably one of those people he's got so much he needs to get out. He's writing so fast and his hand sort of runs away with him before his pen can catch up. But um, yes, perhaps he's enjoying his isolation. Camilla has said in the past too, hasn't she, that he spends hours at his desk and sometimes she has to go and say, all right, that's enough for today. Um, let's let's wrap it up um so yes he'll be making use of that isolation for sure how are you making your days work Uh, you obviously are in the studios you work in a lot of different places so how is it now being mostly based at home well like you said omid i'm very grateful for technology and oh my goodness has it been a very quick and steep learning curve um i am one of the more technically challenged um and this reaches into many facets of my life i'm not very good at reading instructions i just tend to push lots of buttons (laughs) until it works and when it doesn't work i get really cross um so you kindly had the patience to talk me through last week how how we're recording um our, our chat now um so it's been a steep learning curve but I've been grateful that we're able to continue to work from home because like many we we're all taking a hit in terms of work um everybody is whether I've got a lot of friends here in the theatre community who are their survival jobs their yoga teachers and actor um waiters and bartenders and headshot photographers and they've lost every every element of their survival work and people are scared people are really scared um so i'm grateful for whatever work we are still able to do sometimes it's a little harder to motivate myself because oh I'll, i'll just make one more cup of tea or i'll just have one more biscuit and then i'll write something um but it's uh it's i'm glad i'm glad we can sort of keep the wheels turning so to speak 
Absolutely. It's interesting you mention the theatre community because Clarence House actually went out uh, on their Instagram stories to put together a list of where people in the around the world but can watch UK theatre, ballet and cultural things online because, of course, so much of this is now closed. But there is a way to sort of keep revenue going and to keep audiences engaged during this sort of lights out period and I thought it was great to see them marking World Theatre Day which is today as we record this uh, on their Instagram account because there are of course so many things now that are kind of getting slightly lost in the news cycle because of course there is much bigger things going on. Yeah, and there is, there's so much art and culture, if that's your thing, available online. It's fantastic. The Bolshoi Ballet announced that they're going to do a 10-day series. Um, I think it's the National Theatre that every Thursday is screening one of their plays. Um, and, and thankfully today, technology being as sophisticated as it is, watching a play o- on your computer screen is a different league to what it would have been 10 years ago. I remember watching mm. in school, we'd watch old Shakespeare plays that the BBC had produced and they were deathly, <laughs> deathly because it was like one studio light and, and a really bad lame set and oh it was awful awful we just would rather gouged our eyes out with a teaspoon than have to suffer through them um, <laughs> but now I think last night the National Theatre uh, screened One Man Two Governors which is one of my most favourite plays gosh it's funny and so they've also been really smart to choose upbeat projects as well just to give people that mental break they need from the horribleness that we're all sort of watching unfold by the minute really on on social media and watching the news and everything else so um yeah there's a there's a lot of resources out there and so as you say i'm glad that's being highlighted as well Mm, well speaking of upbeat today we saw the release of bon jovi's special collaboration track that he did with the invictus games choir um of course this was a re-recording of his song unbroken which is dedicated to wounded injured and sick military veterans and of course it was going to be the anthem for this year's invictus games but they've gone ahead with the release it's now available on all streaming platforms and to download and buy and keep as well so if you haven't checked it out do it's called unbroken it's available now but i think it's great that these things are still going on of course Harry was here not that long ago at the Abbey Road Studios. I remember standing out in the rain waiting for them all yeah, to arrive. It, fe- it feels <laughs> like a century it. ago. It yeah. feels like a century ago. But, um, it, you know, I think it's good that the hard work that people have put into these things doesn't go to waste because, you know, this was such a big project. It was such an important thing for Harry. We saw him uh, posting Instagram stories about it today, trying to drum up a bit of support. And it seems like it's been well received online. Yeah, here's hoping it makes number one. I think it's the uplifting anthem we all kind of need right now as well. And I'm I'm glad they went ahead with releasing it right now because it will have been enormously disappointing for all those athletes that have been training that have now got to postpone for the year. Um, of course, it was the right decision to make for the safety, health and well-being of everyone that would be involved. You just you can't afford to take any risks. But um, just much like the same for the Olympic athletes, it just will have been really, really soul-crushing, I'm sure to find out that it's not going ahead because aside from just what it affords them in a physical sense there's 
there's nothing more emotional, I don't think, than watching the Invictus Games and seeing what these incredible men and women are able to achieve. And they come away from that with a real boost to their confidence and their emotional well-being, not just physical. So this will have been a blow. So I was really glad that the single um, has gone ahead because it just reminds them of the power of community and, and what they've achieved together and that we can look ahead to the future and they will get to compete, um, albeit a year from now. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's as you've said, it, it's good to have something positive as well when it feels like the world is imploding. Exactly. And especially at a time when we're all at home, connected to our devices more than ever. I don't. I would imagine that streaming platforms and music and film and whatever services are receiving an insane amount of streams in one go uh, from people around the world who are just sort of stuck at home with little to do. Yeah, it must be overwhelming. I was speaking to a, a reporter from USA Today yesterday, actually, and we were both we were both had fingers crossed and everything because we said, "Oh God, if our internet went down, we'd be sunk." I mean, we just can't imagine. And yet, <laughs> the bandwidth must be well. I'm, I'm talking about bandwidths like I'm tech savvy and know what I'm talking about. So forgive me if I use incorrect uh, v- vocabulary here. You're okay. You're okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. But you know, just the fact that. Everybody, certainly on television here, or for the most part, um, in terms of anchors and everything, they're all broadcasting from home. So that's using up a huge amount of bandwidth mm-hmm. as well. So suddenly you've got uh, Robin Roberts uh, for your show for Good Morning America. She's at home um, on CBS This Morning. Anthony Mason's at home at the moment. Alison Camaretta on New Day. She's been at home. Savannah Guthrie's been at home. So this is using up some major, major um, bandwidth. So, yes, I take my hat off to all of those keeping our internet up up and running they're among the coronavirus heroes as well because we'd oh my gosh i can't imagine uh, what would happen if if especially the teenage community around the world suddenly lost their devices that would be terrible <laughs> you're making me break out into sweats so let's move, <laughs> Sorry, yes, move let's move this on. i don't want to be the one held responsible this is going to be the headlines pe- victoria arbiter brings down the internet yes, look forward to that <laughs> But if people are looking for things to add to their playlists, do check out the Bon Jovi track. But also, I think so many people are looking for stuff to watch at the moment. And we had some great news this week, something I've been much rumoured, much talked about for some time. But Disney Plus announced today that the Disney nature film Elephant, narrated by Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex, is going to premiere on April the 3rd. And this is to mark Earth Month. Um, But it comes at a great time because, of course, everyone is at home. Everyone is streaming more than ever. Um, This is all part of a uh, Earth Day themed collection on Disney Plus that will feature titles from National Geographic and Disney Nature. But this is a project that Meghan actually did the narration for back last year in the fall in London. And it was... I think reported at the time that she had contributed to an animated movie and there was then more recently rumours of her wanting to be a superhero and it all got a little out of <laughs> hand. so silly, yeah. <laughs> it got out of hand. But of course, this, is, this makes much more sense. This is a movie that tells the story of an African elephant called Shani and her son Jomo as they take their herd on an epic journey hundreds of miles across the Kalahari Desert. And uh, it's just, I've seen a a short preview of it. It is a beautiful, beautiful, just so perfectly filmed movie. It's in 4K. It's absolutely stunning. Um, And of course, what a a bonus to have the voice of the Duchess of Sussex. It's her sort of first, I guess, uh, moment on television in years. 
I'm so excited about this omen. Elephants have long been my favorite animal. Um, so on a personal level, I just, I can't wait to see this. I got to travel to Botswana last summer um, and I stayed at a, a camp where Harry has done some work in the past um, and they have spoken incredibly highly of his contribution and his commitment uh, to conservation and how uh, dedicated he was to just being one of the guys. He was just rolling up his sleeves. He was getting out there. He was working really hard alongside everyone else he didn't want any special favors and of course we know Botswana is where the couple's romance bloomed um so I think this is a deeply personal project for the two of them and I think by having Megan narrating this um Disney of course has a huge worldwide audience anyway but she's going to bring another audience to this as well and I think probably take it to another level in terms of it being seen and what better time for it to be seen than when we're all at home so I'm hoping this is going to educate people about the plight of elephants um how their numbers are falling dangerously low. Um, Williams talked in the past about Charlotte and George. This was before Louis was born, but Charlotte and George growing up in a world where elephants weren't even in the wild anymore. That would be catastrophic. So I'm really glad that, that she's taking part in this. And I think it'll be a nice way for her to sort of be creative, but not be back sort of in the acting arena, which uh, I, I don't know. I'm speculating. I'm not sure that's an arena she wants to get back into, certainly full time. But this is a lovely way for her to give back in a in an environment in which she's obviously been very successful absolutely and it wasn't necessarily something that i believe that she was looking for apparently megan was made aware of the film through mutual friends of the filmmakers um who she met in botswana back in 2016 which is when she first went out there with harry it was in the Mm -hmm. very early days of dating and um she'd seen some of the footage from these filmmakers over the years and really liked what they were all about Uh, one of those mutual friends was dr mike chase who's the ceo of elephants without borders and of course we know that harry's done a lot of work with elephants without borders over the past Mm -hmm. um they're very much focused on supporting local communities and their coexistence with elephants because elephants as beautiful as they are can also have detrimental impact on the communities that surround them and so a lot of the money that will be made from this particular movie project um, that's being supported by the Disney Conservation Fund will be handed back to Elephants Without Borders to keep some of their work going and that was one of the things that really appealed to Megan about this project as well as having a passion for the subject Um, And so I think it's just a really great fit and I think it will be interesting to see what happens from there because something like this I think it's tastefully done there's no reason why she can't do more of it in the future I think in fact Harry and Meghan uh, really have now a great chance to get a lot more involved in uh, documentary production perhaps in the way that we saw the Obamas sign a big deal with Netflix in the past it wouldn't surprise me if something like that happens with the Sussexes at some point. I think it would be a great use of their talents, certainly, because that way they could focus on the projects that were really meaningful to them and have the creative control. Um, It sort of ticks all the boxes, I think, in terms of of what they want to do moving forwards. Of course, Harry's got his uh, mental health series with Oprah as well. So I think you're right. That's definitely going to be um, something that they definitely want to pursue. And Megan, you know, before everyone starts harping on that she's just an actress that just wants to get back into it, Prince Charles narrated his children's book 
many, many, many years ago. So she's not the first royal to offer narration to a project. Uh, Prince Charles's book was called The Old Man of Loch Nagar. Um, I can't say it quite as well as Brian Cox. Um, he does the perfect kind of Scottish uh, little on it, but I can't do that. Um, so I, I think I think this is a great fit for her. It's a great use of her talents. Uh, all the money's going back into conservation. She she didn't take a salary. Um, so I think this is something we should applaud. Uh, of course, where there's applause, criticism follows. But um, hopefully we can all try and stay positive because it's a great cause. Definitely. And I think at the moment, more than ever, really remaining positive about everything is I, I certainly have very little patience for negativity at the moment, especially on social media, which I must say has become a much more positive place in recent weeks. Everyone, I think, is looking for positivity and sort of focusing on their own wellness. I think so too. I think so too. It's sort of making people stop and think, okay, let's let's sort of realign our focus and what matters and our perspective. But there's also nothing like a worldwide pandemic to make you do that yourself as well. Like in the past, you know, if somebody sends a particularly nasty tweet, it, it, it hurts. Of course it does. We're all human. You're like, oh, ouch, that, that cuts <laughs> a little close. But now you go, oh, okay, yeah, that doesn't matter because look at this poor ICU nurse who's revealing what her night shift was in in a video online it it makes you it makes you sort of focus more on what yeah. matters as well so um i've been really glad to see the positivity and people being people looking out for each other and people being kind to each other someone tweeted last night uh she said if you know someone that's alone reach out to them when they're least expecting it and offer them some ideas for dinner or offer to keep them company while they're eating or you know just things like that it's a really thoughtful way to connect with other people I love that. um yeah, it was. I thought that was. I was like, wow, that's a really nice use of Twitter. Um, it was impressive. Well, if you want to check out Elephant, it'll be available on Disney Plus from April the 3rd. Uh, it wasn't the only news for the Sussexes this week. Uh, People magazine reported that the couple uh, very recently, uh, before borders were closed, we presume, uh, relocated to Los Angeles uh, to set up an entirely new base. Of course, we know Vancouver Island had been their home away from home, but also their sort of uh, home in the middle of a bigger picture um, on Vancouver Island since November and uh, it was after the Commonwealth Day ceremony we know that Meghan went back to Canada to be reunited with Archie Harry joined them a few days later and it would have been some time after that that they made their move over to California and I don't think that this is particularly a story that they wanted out there um, I can't imagine they're particularly settled in their new surroundings. But it's also one that doesn't really come as a huge surprise to me. We'd heard from sources that they were looking to move to the US in the summer. I've heard from uh, various people working with them that the US is really going to play a big role in their charitable endeavours moving forward. And I think we've seen a slight glimpse of that with this uh, Elephant docu-movie on Disney Plus and so it's a great base for them to have and more importantly it's also where Doria is someone who lives alone in the middle of a pandemic and I wonder and I am merely speculating if you are waiting to write up some stupid story based on my comments <laughs> go away that Omid Scobie said <laughs> uh, I, it, this is ha- ha- where my mind would go I certainly wouldn't want my mother to be alone in the middle of something like this Omid you know speaking from experience I've lived in New York for 24 years now but you feel the pull of home more and more and more the longer you're away I was here for 9-11 I was here for Hurricane Sandy I'm here now um, 
and again thank goodness for the technology that is available to us but it's hard to be away from your family and friends when this kind of crisis is unfolding and Megan's an only child and sure um, you know maybe she wouldn't be allowed to see Doria maybe it's more sensible for everyone to be self-isolating but there's a lot of comfort in knowing that your mum is down the street or a 20 minute drive away versus having to get on a plane um, and that Mm -hmm. you can just be near to them just in case so um, I think really anyone who follows the rules I don't think anyone would be too terribly surprised that they want to be in LA of course it's where Megan's from and from their very first statement they said we're going to be balancing our time between the UK and North America it was never Canada specific it was North America so um uh, oh sorry there's dogs barking outside uh that's the only (laughs) other side of us recording the joys of remote working yeah um mine is currently scratching the door right now oh he is he wants his moment he wants his 15 minutes of fame (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm not surprised by this, perhaps a little bit by the timing, just given everything that's going on. But as you said, uh, you wouldn't want to be away from your family if you've got family nearby. And Doria lives alone. So I I can see why they would want to do it. Absolutely. Victoria, it's a pleasure as always. I'm so glad we got to catch up in the middle of all of this. I was actually really looking forward to doing the podcast today because I'd mostly just been working at my computer and realised I'd spent most of the day not talking with anyone. So... (laughs) I, well, I'm so glad. Yes, uh, Omid, I'm delighted because you've kept me company for the last half hour and I can't tell you what a treat that is. So um, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And that just about wraps us up for this slightly more laid back episode of the AirPod. Thank you to my guests once again, Maggie and Victoria, for joining me and keeping me company for the past hour. And I hope I've kept you company for the past hour. Uh, the weeks ahead will be slightly surreal um, but hopefully we'll be able to continue bringing you the latest goings on from the members of the royal family uh, including what I hope will be positive updates on Prince Charles in the next episode when we drop on Friday thank you again for all the positive messages on social media do keep them coming use the hashtag the airpod send them to myself at scoby on twitter I'm replying to everything at the moment because I have slightly more time on my hands than I'm used to uh, but it is great to see so much positivity out there Uh, we are going through really difficult times but i think it's those uh, small rays of sunshine that keep us going throughout all of this and thank you as always to our friends in new york anthony ali leighton schneider and michael debusky for putting the show together every week especially at the moment as we deal with slightly unique working circumstances as always everyone take care of yourselves and each other and i'll see you next friday Thank you.